This podcast is brought to you by our patrons. To help support the show, visit patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. This is your beer, liquor, and other beverage news for the week of March 2nd, 2019. Japanese whiskey is the opposite of Pokemon, and you'll not drink them all. Boulevard Brewing now canning cocktails. Best scotch in the world costs probably more than $18. And people are fired from Heine. All this and more on Have a Drink News. Welcome to Have a Drink News, the show where we cover the week's popular news about what you drink. I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. Let's dive right in since we've been off from the new show for a while. Uh, our top story, Suntory and Nika discontinue releases as Japanese whiskey crisis deepens. I mean, at this point, I'm surprised they're releasing whiskey, period. Yeah, it's, it's getting rough. So major Japanese whiskey company Suntory and Nika have announced further cuts to their whiskey ranges. Uh, it was already bad enough when Hibiki 17 and Hakashu 12 were discontinued last May as distilleries ran out of aged stock, meaning they had literally run out of enough whiskey in barrels of these older vintages to uh, mix together <laughs> to make some of these blends. Uh, now they've announced even more whiskeys will, will be discontinued, Though some of these you may not have seen before as they were exclusively produced for the Japanese market. On the Suntory side, the cold releases include blended whiskey, sure, oh god, Shiro, Shirokaku. Shirokaku's 700 milliliter, uh, 1.92 liters, uh, and four bottles, just the sure, yeah. <laughs> 450 milliliter bottle? Yeah. Uh, single grain uh, cheetahs, 350 milliliter bottles, and blended whiskey kakubans, 450 milliliter bottles. Uh, apparently, that was one of Japan's best selling whiskeys. These cuts uh, help explain Centauri's push to introduce its new Ao whiskey, AO, uh, produced in combination with other distilleries from around the world. For Nika, this includes axing the Nika 12, one of the last budget-friendly aged Japanese whiskeys, and temporarily suspending two of the author of this article's uh, personal favorites, the coffee grain and malt whiskeys from Nika, uh, getting suspended production. In this case, the 12-year-old uh, will apparently be replaced by a new release, uh, the no-age statement uh, tailored. You know things are pretty dire when even uh, grain whiskey releases uh, easy to produce in enormous quantities need to be cut. Another major whiskey brand not very well known outside of Japan, uh, Kirin Gotimba, Timba, is also dropping its food. Oh my god, why did I pick this story? <laughs> Fuji Sanroku. Y- yeah, 50 degree. Oh, sorry, Fuji Sanroku Tarajuku. 50 degree whiskey. There you go. I had one lesson from uh, someone trying to explain Japanese pronunciation to me, which is, you pronounce everything. Okay. That'll do it. So the Japanese whiskey news uh, continues to be bad. Even worse, the practice of taking advantage of Japan's lax whiskey laws to release Japanese whiskey that's actually produced in other countries. 
or not even using whiskey at all still continues as some parts of the industry continue to cut corners uh, as the squeeze continues. However, all is not lost for Japanese whiskey. All that's needed is a little patience as the industry gets back on its feet. In an excellent article on scotchwhiskey.com, Dave Broom also points to the new renaissance of boutique whiskey distillation in the country. There are currently 23 distilleries in production in Japan, most of them small and new, and some are already releasing small amounts of whiskey. On a larger scale, the problem isn't uh, also one of production. The whiskey companies are currently producing plenty of whiskey. It just needs time to age. It won't be for another 10 years that Japanese whiskey will be able to claw its way back onto the global stage to seriously compete with Scotch and American brands on store shelves. So this is. <laughs> I just. Oh, I'm, I'm at that age, and I'm not really quite at the age where it should be a thought, but like the thought of 10 years from now, like, I could be dead by then. Right. And if we keep drinking the way we do, eh, I probably will be. But it's uh, 10 years, so that amount of time, it's going to boil down to Japanese whiskey. Like, Japanese whiskey is the hot stuff right now. It will have taken a backseat, like, because that's something we've been talking about, that scotch is pretty much due. So by the time they're able to produce enough Japanese whiskey again, scotch is probably going to have overtaken it and been the big, and come back to be the big thing again. So oh, yeah, it'll be, they... they'll be sitting there with a mass quantity of it going, uh, the hell do we do with this? <laughs> Yeah, that's well. That's the problem you have with uh, uh, with trying to predict trends ten years in advance. Like, you know, if they're trying to increase production now, they you have no idea in ten years if it's still going to be popular. Every, we could all be drinking gin by then. Yeah, that's uh, so. The coffee grain from uh, Nika, I saw a bottle on shelf a few weeks ago last time i was really in a liquor store just kind of browsing and i'm going to be running out and grabbing a bottle as soon as i have the money in my account to do so because it's a little pricey yeah it is but i'm off tomorrow i'm going to see what i can try to find that's going to be my mission tomorrow so that coffee grain i know is abundant around Uh, i'm sure after this news though people have been running out and grabbing it up I see in our chat, Furry Vikings there, maybe he can uh, let us know if their store still has any of the coffee grain Nika hanging around, since its production is suspended. Yeah, well, that's, uh, it is a shame, because, like, I have been wanting to try, really try some Japanese whiskeys, and they're just not around. Got to try some, uh... Over the weekend, at, uh, we, in we did. We'll talk about we that later. Okay. Would right. they have any at Jungle Gems? Oh yeah, they would have some, but yeah. not not any of these. But how much? Ones. How much yeah. is your child worth? All, all <laughs> like that's it. what the that's what they'll sell it for. Mm. Yeah, pretty much. So I've got Boulevard Brewing. So they are entering the ready to drink space, which is apparently a term, uh, ready to drink. Um. I was like, well, it says the, entering the RTD. I'm like, okay. RTD, so ready to drink. Now, what are this? the kids are saying with DT? <laughs> Never mind. Yeah, not so much. Uh, but so canned cocktails by Bro- Boulevard Brewing. Um, I, yeah. As far as this goes, I just, I'm like, I like the, the canned art, I guess, sort of. But uh, the brand is going to be called Fling, uh, or the series, I suppose. So, um, which... They own the Kansas... It's a Kansas City craft brewery, which I completely forgot about as far as where Boulevard was located. Um, yeah. So uh, during this interview on um, 
uh, on the story. Was this Brewbound or yes, of course it's Brewbound. Yeah, absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, they they just they talked to um, uh, the president of Duval Mortgat USA, uh, who owns Bo- uh, Boulevard, and uh, described the company's foray into RTD cocktails as more of a side hustle. As much, uh, yeah, as such, the products are being marketed under the Boulevard Beverage Company banner. Um, they, this is a uh, subsidiary being guided by the company's existing leadership teams. Huh. Uh, so Boulevard will officially launch Fling on March 28th during opening day of the Kansas City Royals season at Kauffman Stadium. And in early April, the company plans to expand distribution throughout the Midwest and to a handful of other states, including Florida, within its 41-state footprint. You know what? I would be down to watch a watch a Royals game. Uh, yeah, to watch a Royals game and crack open a mai tai. <laughs> like, I think I think uh, I I would be okay with that one. Maybe the blood orange soda. I'm I'm getting ahead telling you what they are, but yes, <laughs> it's fine. But I just I I just seeing the name of that. I'm like, uh, okay, all right. Yeah. Maybe. So it does mention in here as far as like. Uh... Oh, so, uh, sorry, in chat, Smoke's asking who owns them again. Um, it doesn't... Uh, du- Duvel Mortgat? Mortget, I don't know. Uh, USA? They're the ones who own Boulevard, apparently. Um, uh, yeah. Uh, Duvel Mortgat. Yeah, I was just oh. saying, I don't know. That middle word, I'm going to keep messing up there. But, um, so the reason they're getting into this is, um, of course, we have numbers from Nielsen, who, you know, we have numbers from for everything. Uh, they um, said that the off-premise sale, retail sales of prepared cocktails in cans, which is, again, a category, <laughs> grew more than 56% during the 52-week period of, or ending January 26th. So, uh, it's kind of a big deal. Uh, this, these are going to be sold in four packs. Uh, the new offerings have a suggested retail price of twelve ninety nine. Were formulated to be gluten free because, of course, they were. Uh, each twelve ounce serving checks in at fewer than two hundred calories and has under nine grams of carbs. Um, the brand is going to have floor, four flavors with spirits sourced from three Kansas City area distilleries. So you've got the blood orange vodka soda, five percent ABV, uh, and that's uh, spirit coming from McCormick Distilling Company. And then you've got the Cucumber Lime Gin and Tonic, 7% ABV, com- coming cu- from... That, sorry. I said that cucumber killed it for me. I was like, oh, maybe uh-huh. a gin and tonic. Cucumber Lime. Never mind. See, I like the, the, the flavor. I just don't know about gin and tonic. Uh, but that, that spirit is coming from the Restless Spirits Builders Botanical Gin. Then you got the Margarita Flavor, 7.5% ABV. Um... Then the Mai Tai at 8% ABV. So, uh, and that, that, that one's got, that that's one, actually, sorry. I was going to say, that's the one that's not from the Yeah, that's not Kansas local. Uh, that's imported rum from the Virgin Islands. So, there's that. Which, I mean, you know, you're not going to do local rum, obviously. Like, if you want good rum, I feel like. <laughs> um, but it says, uh, the introduction of Fling comes a week after AB InBev announced the acquisition of San Diego-based Cutwater Spirits. The craft distilling venture funded or founded by former Ballast Point Brewing executives. The company makes 14 different RTD canned cocktails, which are sold in 34 states. So everybody's in on the game at this point. I, you know, when we did our um, seltzer, uh, hard seltzer episode, I've forgotten how many 
uh, uh, what you call them? Those things, uh, the canned cocktails there were mm. until I guess I realized like they put them near them too, and I'm like, oh yeah, a lot more people are doing this now than oh yeah, I, I think. I mean, the whole fifty six percent that's that's definitely a thing, and that's nothing to be sneezed at. No, I, I you know have no transition for this at? one. <laughs> the prices for the scotch because all the news outlets i saw this all week they found the best scotch in the world did they now they did and it was eight, it was uh how much was it 13 something pounds, pounds yeah 1350 pounds uh or 18 dollars us oh uh made from uh coming from a grocery store it was in a contest and they won for best Aldi, uh, right? It's got to be from Aldi. <laughs> it's not. It's not Aldi. I don't think that would have been fake then. I think they actually probably would have won, which is annoying. <laughs> it's a uh, little Lidl? Probably Lidl. I don't know. Uh German bu- budget supermarket chain. Uh they have a br- blended whiskey called the Queen Margaret uh Queen Margaret uh eight-year-old, and it won Best Scotch Whiskey uh, at the World Whiskey Awards. So, therefore, it's the best whiskey in the world. Or best best Scotch whiskey, anyway. Right? I mean, that tracks, right? Um, Maybe. Uh, The baby does not think so. The baby disagrees. Uh, So, we found an article on Forbes... uh, tearing down this line of thought uh it's like here's here's how they're getting this wrong uh do you believe the independent a pretty reputable news organization the giant uh german budget supermarket little uh their own brand of blended scotch whiskey uh scooped up prize for best uh best scotch whiskey uh Therefore, is the best in the world. However, this is fake news, plain and simple. There's no real story as, straight, as straightforward as that. While uh, the Queen Market did indeed win at the World Whiskey Awards, its medal was a far cry from our declaration of best scotch in the world. To be specific, it won a very particular award, the 12-year-old and under category for scotch whiskey under the blended section. If you'll consult our scotch episode we did in the main show... There's a lot of other categories. Hmm. Uh, what's more, the media stories misreported uh, this uh, are wrong on another account. The World Whiskey Awards it hasn't even declared its best best whiskey yet. Only the round one category winners. Uh, the winners for best overall blend whiskey, part of round two, and the best overall whiskey, round three, won't be declared until March 28th. So they got a lot of drinking to do. Uh so the World Whiskey uh, Awards itself is aware the story has been misinterpreted. Uh, their director, uh, Anita Oljazi, uh, t- uh, issued a statement declaring the following. We are aware of the story has been published in the UK national press. Uh, we are delighted to confirm the following. Uh, that the Queen Margaret has uh, been awarded uh, category win round one for best scotch blend 12 years and under. Uh, the award for best scotch blend overall round two as well as the world's best will be announced on whatever date that we've said March 28th. Uh, 
at the Whiskey Magazine Award Dinner celebrating uh, celebrated during the Whiskey Live, which follows from, you know, whatever date. It's less important. Uh, but yeah, everybody wanted to jump on the wagon that there was a cheap, magical scotch you could buy for like $18 US and you could you're like, ah, this is truly better than everything else. That's too good to be true, guys. I mean, come on. Yeah. I mean, we always are like, oh, look at all these awards that, that Aldi is winning. To an extent, some of it might have to do a similar thing. Now, yeah. they may legitimately be winning some level of awards, but, you know, need to read a little bit closer with some of these. Yeah, it's still, it's still, it's all still a little suspect, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Time cannot uh, be faked. Yes, that's true. <laughs> uh, it did, however, uh, it did, however, win in that category, beating out uh, bottles that are worth twice as much, like Johnny Walker Black hmm. and uh, Eile Mist. Uh, I'm, I don't know if I've actually ever seen Eile Mist, so I don't know how, how good that is. But I've had Johnny Walker Black. Hmm. It's it's okay, uh, as I joke. It's a it's a starting scotch, maybe. Well, maybe not necessarily starting, but it's how I started. Well, I, yeah, it, it probably isn't. I, I don't remember ever having it, but that doesn't mean anything. It Maybe it's a starter. Mm. Uh, it's certainly one of the more popular ones that you're going to find. Like yeah. You can walk anywhere in and find it. Yeah. But I would be curious to give this give this bottle a try. They are this article is making sure to say though. I'm not saying that it is not a good whiskey. Period. I'm saying that it is. They they're saying that it is not necessarily the winner yet. Hmm. Got some time, and it's it's maybe it'll do really well. But I wouldn't hold my breath that it's going to beat some of the other whatever. Yeah. Although. Could be a real underdog story there. We don't know. Yeah, that, that kind of brought me down. Like breaking down this this clickbaity story. Do we have anything that can can raise my spirits? No. Turns out. <laughs> oh. Uh, yeah, we we've got some some more bad news. Heineken USA cuts fifteen percent of their workforce. Ouch. Uh, God, this reminds me of that horrible blizzard thing recently. Let's not even <sighs> get into that. Um. So, uh, yet another large U.S. beer company making cuts, citing a need to restructure its sales organization. Heineken USA announced today it would slash 15% of its overall workforce. Ooh. Yeah. Um, So, in the statement released, it said that their restructuring would enable the company to operate more efficiently. Well, I would think. Um. (laughs) I would say that's generally why you, well, the the spin you put on uh, 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 layoffs is... We're trying to make sure we run more efficiently when it's like improving other it's areas, ex- et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, it's too expensive to have all of you. Some of you yeah. got to go, basically. Uh, so they added that the company is actively seeking new opportunities for the affected workers, which is also kind of a thing. When you know, let's lay off everyone. Let's help them get new jobs, though. Which That's, is at least it is better. At least nicer. Yeah, I mean, uh, I've been laid off from jobs and just told. Yeah. Well, good luck. <laughs> good luck. Yeah, uh, good luck. Just uh, find some unemployment. Um, Additional questions regarding severance packages and the specific number of employees impacted were not answered at the time of the press release, though. Uh, So Heineken USA is the latest major U.S. beer company to announce layoffs. 
Last year, ABN, Bev, Miller Coors, Constellation, and Pabst all made significant cuts to their respective workforces. A number of well-known craft beer companies, including Heineken International, owned Lagunitas, uh, which cut 12% of its workforce last October, have also scaled back in recent months. So Heineken International owns Lagunitas, so they're probably not affected by, by, by this, these layoffs. Correct. Yeah, that, that would make sense to me anyway. I don't know. The, all this stuff gets kind of screwy, honestly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, last December, Oregon's Deschutes Brewery laid off dozens of employees, citing missed growth projections. And mm. Colorado's New Belgium uh, also cut its workforce by about 4% around this time last year. Before, I will though, say Delatter's not... growth is doing well. They're yes. on projection. Right on point. Uh, 4%, though, not as bad as, I mean, 15% is not, not small. Uh, not, not at all. Um, the reductions come at a time when category-wide beer sales are relatively sluggish, though off-premise sales at major chain retailers increased about 1.8% in 2018, according to market research firm IRI. Shipments of beer made domestically declined by about 2%, according to the Beer Institute. So, um, mm. for its part, Heineken USA... And, sorry. sorry, I just like, I want to be part of the Beer Institute. I know, what do they do? Um, <laughs> I, I want to be in a lab coat drinking beer all day. Yeah, Good that's what it comes beer, down to. Not, not getting a lab coat drinking terrible beer to know that this is garbage and you shouldn't have this. Oh, okay. Smoke in the chat actually said um, Heineken International owns Lagunitas and Heineken USA. Both are getting cuts then. So, well, yeah. Lagunitas did have some cut. I don't know. Well, he, I, So he's saying basically this is going to affect... Both of them, if, if I'm reading that right. Well, like they were saying that, that last October, Lagunitas had already done cuts, so maybe they're not counting them amongst this. Because um, that's fairly recent for them to have done a 12% cut to do. True, true. Um, so for its part, Heineken USA, uh, they, they're the ones who... Um, uh, sorry, they're the operating company for Heineken International, which imports, markets, and sells the global global blue the oh my gosh you guys the global <laughs> brewers namesake brands as well as dos Equis and tecate among others uh saw high single digit volume declines according to an earnings report uh that's from just this month uh indeed off-premise dollar sales offerings declined 4.1 percent to about 1.5 billion dollars in 2018 mm-hmm. at multi-outlet and convenience stores um according to iri so that sounds like a lot of money, but I guess for a company like that, it's it's something. Probably still they, a lot of money. Like yeah, they need to pay attention to it, you know. Um, yeah. So through the first the first four weeks of 2019, uh, dollar sales trends had improved slightly, growing one percent to nearly 94.8 million dollars. Uh, the layoffs also follow several leadership changes at Heineken USA, including the appointment of longtime Heineken executive Maggie Timoni as CEO. Uh, Timoni, who last served as CEO and Managing Director of Heineken Ireland, replaced Ronald Del Elson, uh, who had led the U.S. business unit since 2015. So Heineken's going through a lot. Um, I think that's basically yeah. it as far as that is concerned. But yeah, so um, now this is, of course, again, specifically the Heineken USA branch, but still, still interesting to see what's going on there, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're they're trying to shake some stuff up because like we had that, I think we talked about it where they tried releasing the the alcohol free Heineken beer the the yeah yeah I think I remember 
yeah uh, if, if we didn't talk about it we at least got the story ready like that that was a thing that happened though yeah um so there there's they're trying to do stuff i i don't hate heineken as much as i hate abm bev i guess but you know they're still like as still a, company, a massive yeah. whatever yeah although i i want to I, I, I always want to say like well i'm more willing to drink a heineken and that's true but as long as it's in like a can where it's not no. been skunked yeah i was gonna say like i've never had a not uh not skunked heineken so i'm kind of like eh. it's the green bottle so yeah also uh furry viking in our chat says uh alcohol free heineken you mean water like from the toilet <laughs> that would be like, yeah, alcohol that's... free bud light <laughs> I was going to say, like, yeah, I mean, I fill up my toilet bowl with, with Heineken. What do you fill yours with? <laughs> I'm just like, the smell. Can you imagine uh, just your your bathroom would just smell like skunk? All right. All right. Well, well uh, there's no better transition than speaking mm. of smelling like skunk. I was going to say, you know what else smells dank? Beer well, yeast. Apparently now, a uh, vine pair running the story, scientists hacked beer yeast to produce CBD and THC. Scientists are turning brewer's yeast, uh, Saccharomyces cerevisiae, into tetra... THC. I'm not going to say all the long names everything here. Uh, Tetrahydrocannabinoid. There you go. It's cannab- cannabinoids? Yes. Uh, the psychoactive compound found in cannabis and cabinadol, the CBD, the legal compound, gained popularity in a variety of food, beverage, and health products. The recent discovery reported in Nature on... <laughs> Sorry, that's just funny to read. It's a sentence just sounds like reported in Nature, like someone just went out to the forest and went... Held a microphone up to a tree... Like I, one would assume. What do you it's have a... to say? And the tree was like, "Well, we're high <laughs> as crap got, right now." It got reported like the Lion King. They came out. All of the animals like stood around in a semicircle around it, and they held aloft the news. <laughs> the recent discovery reported in Nature on Wednesday is nothing short of a miracle. The process involves turning a sugar found in brewer's yeast, uh, galactose. Does it eat? Wait. Shut up! Wait. What? <laughs> feeds on planets, you know. It feeds on planets. That's, a, that's what it has to do. And I was just waiting for Brittany to go, shut up. No, Bob. Into, Stop bringing comic books into this. No, I was like, shut up. That's not the name. <laughs> uh, into cannabinoid compounds. Uh, the goal of the research is to enable THC and CBD production without plant-based cultivation. Although previous research has been done on the subject with similar aim. This study is the first to prove uh, the transformation can happen inside a single cell, which is cool. Uh, Kevin Chen, chief executive of Hyacinth Bio in Montreal, Canada, said. Uh, they. I, I like to imagine that's just the whole quote, which is cool. Yeah, which is cool. <laughs> which is what you would think someone doing that kind of research would say. Uh, but that company is one of 10 or more companies working to produce cannabinoids in engineered yeast, bacteria, or algae. Hmm. Uh, again, that's from Nature. <laughs> <laughs> that's the worst name for a publication. I'm just going to put that out there. They speak for the trees. Oh, my God. Now I'm just picturing <laughs> a, like a whole reporter's team of Loraxes. <laughs> 
the biohack can change. They've all got like those old timey yes. hats with the 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 thing in them, and like they're like hitting their pads and paper. Why can't any of us draw? The biohack could change the cannabinoid marketplace, allowing less expensive production of compounds such as CBD and THC. Uh, that is commercially viable to sell to pharmaceutical companies and the public. Beer yeast may be the most exciting way to create cannabinoids we've heard of, but it's not the only one. A research team at the University of California in Los Angeles engineered a process for turning sugar into CBD without the transformation needing to occur in the cell. I was getting ready to say, if you... That's what the yeast is doing anyway. It's just chowing down on sugar and crapping out something else. So I'm just picturing uh, like a Dr. Frankenstein kind of moment of them, like instead of like shouting, it's alive, they're shouting, I'm so high. <laughs> like thunder cracking in the background. <laughs> Indeed. Oh. So, uh, um, yeah, hmm. this is really cool. It, does, it said it requires 16 genetic modifications. To accomplish this hopes are high for thc and cbd made from beer yeast but analysts predict the process won't be cost effective for at least 18 months to two years Jeez. yeah but that's not that far off especially you know with them i don't know it's like, like, like yeah like around the time that some the next state decides to go legal they'll be able to make make this in larger numbers yeah. So. And by the time it gets to Kentucky, hell will be froze over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, uh... <laughs> I think uh, we've got uh, one last good one here. We do. I just couldn't think of a segue. Yeah, <laughs> I was like staring at it going, no, I got nothing. There's speaking, never a segue anymore. Speaking of being, being high. high and dry. Oh. Uh... So, while we were in Asheville this past weekend, another amazing adventure happened uh, from Scotland to to Columbus because this was the inaugural flight of Brewdog's Craft Beer Airline. Nothing amazing's and, ever happened in Columbus. Let's just not even tease that. Okay. Well, on the trip back, something amazing happened, and I have to read you this headline because it it made my day. Both the day I initially saw it and the today again. Uh, toilet systems tapped out and bar almost ran dry on maiden voyage of Brewdog's Craft Beer Airline. <laughs> All legit. All legit. <laughs> Just like the idea, like I told Chris when we were looking at this story, it's that like, man, they should have built their own, like they needed to modify that plane, take out some seats and put in some like, toilet tanker storage because it's like you you got a full bar there yeah it's not gonna end well you're gonna be packing on uh a severe amount of urine <laughs> yeah uh, spokesperson for craft beer giant brew dog told the drinks business uh, where we got this article that the plane was about 20 minutes from running out of beer while the lavatories tapped out shortly before the flights descent in into ohio so this, this is just them coming into columbus <laughs> So they had uh, a beer before the plane landed. Yes. Uh, however, the company added the passengers and crew re- remained in high spirits. That's like that's like British people during the Blitz. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Like, 
Because that's how you were just, that's when you say they remained in high spirits. There better be bombs going off when you use that phrase. I mean, there bombs were bombs. Go, bombs couldn't go off. The toilet was full. <laughs> no, there were bombs going off. <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. BrewDog, which opened a beer-focused hotel last year and announced plans to launch an airline designed for fans who invested in the brewery's, uh, brewery's crowdfunding campaigns, Equity for Punks, in October 2018. Uh, the flight would take UK investors from London, Stat- uh, Statson. How can I say the Japanese words, but all of a sudden that's dumb. It makes me <laughs> simple. Uh, to the brewer's headquarters in the uh, US headquarters in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, where they would be able to take a tour of the stateside brewery as well as visiting the Doghouse Hotel uh, and a string of craft breweries based in Cincinnati. Oh, so they got to to travel down to Cincy. Oh, I didn't. I was fully unaware of that. We could have like heckled these people. Maybe. Uh, well, uh, the bespoke BrewDog Boeing seven sixty seven took off from Stan Stan. I don't know why that's so hard. Uh. Uh, Stanced on uh, the 21st February, carrying 200 investors as well as 50 members of the beer business team. Brewdog founders James Watts and Martin Dickey were also on board to greet passengers. Uh, the brewery used the opportunity. Uh, the Brewdog used the opportunity to debut a new beer, Fight Club, a 4.5% IPA brewed with additional citra hops to combat the flavor during uh, the effect of cabin pressure can have on the passengers' palates. So, it's like, yeah, no. Here you go, boys. Oh. Well, the maiden voyage, uh, Brewdog said, was suitably stocked with a wide range of awesome craft beers made at our uh, brewery in uh, Aberdeenshire. And our passengers came very close to drinking the plane dry. I think by the time we landed, we were probably about 20 minutes out of running out of beer. Uh, But that wasn't the only problem. Uh, beer writer Adrian Turney Jones wrote on Twitter that two hours before landing in Ohio, the lavatories had become so full they had been closed. Such uh, such was the volume of matriculation. Jeez. Uh, the <laughs> yeah nine hour flight in the loo had to be closed two hours before landing. Is the basically the the gist of a tweet. Uh, uh, of a tweet. The toilet system on board tapped out shortly before our descent to Ohio, the spokesperson added, but our passengers remained in high spirits. It didn't spoil the experience on the world's first craft beer airline. I just, just like, man, guys, you should have planned for this. Look, took a bunch of drunks in the plane. They're going to fill that toilet up. If, if it had been any longer than two hours, I'm sure someone would have been drunk enough to be trying to open the side door to pee out of it. <laughs> <laughs> just sucked out of the plane, just whoo, ah, stream of urine going behind them. Uh, all right. Well, I think that that about does it for for this episode. We always end on the most interesting note. End on that highbrow <laughs> note of a man sucked out of an airplane, penis first, <laughs> pee going everywhere. <laughs> pee freezing behind him because it's cold up there. <laughs> We just... Bring your mittens, baby. Uh, bring, bring your mittens, cats and kittens, because it's cold outside. It's always cold. It's outside. we end on like a weird image that you don't ever think you'll have in your head. So anyway, uh, we'd like to remind... oh, we end with a weird image and an '80s pop culture reference. There we go. That's mm. yes. It's our uh, stick. <laughs> 
So we'd like to remind everyone, this is our news-only show, but we do a weekly long-form show discussing the science and history around what you drink. If you like what you hear and you want to support Have a Drink, please go to patreon.com slash haveadrinkshow. And we will see you again next Saturday. Once again, I'm Brittany Lee Walker. I'm Justin Frazier. And I'm Christopher Walker. We'll see you guys next time. Bye. Club hopes you have enjoyed this broker. <laughs>